Welcome to Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG, brought to you by Baker. In every episode, we'll investigate how purpose, vision, and values can guide your company's sustainability actions, behaviors, and mindsets. And we'll discuss their impact with the help of ESG-focused guests from around the globe. I'm your host, Rocket. And I'm your host, Gary. Let's get started. Today, we're speaking with Ellen Williams. Ellen is the Director of Advisory and ESG Services at Orion Global Solutions. She has over 25 years as a technologist and business consultant. She's worked with thousands of small businesses, helping them achieve alignment of their business processes and technology platforms, including sales, marketing, and ESG. She's also a professional writer, published in Inc., Crane's New York Business, and Forbes. As a public speaker, she presents keynotes, workshops, webinars, panels, and seminars at events including Inbound Boston, Inbound New York City, Social Media Week, New York Expo, Shark Bite Biz Vodcast, Sage Software Partner Summit, and more. Ellen's work facilitates business growth and planetary impact. She helps her clients do well and do good. So welcome to Sustainable Minds. So, yes, our pleasure. I always start off with this question, or usually, always kind of curious, how did you arrive here? So my question, when you were a really young person, I have a story, I was very young. What did you like to do as a very, very young person? What interests you? When you were left alone, what did you do? This is going to be a really long story. (laughs) As a very young person, I love to dance. And I became a soloist with the State Ballet of Rhode Island. Wow. With my heart set on being a Broadway dancer. And I moved to New York City from Massachusetts and got a little overwhelmed by New York City. But in my pursuit, I wound up at an organization that was very forward thinking. And I eventually received a computer on my desk and they said, hey, learn this. And I did. And that really changed the trajectory of my career. And it's been in technology ever since. Wow. Yeah. To move from creative dance to data. (laughs) You definitely a few sides of yourself. Yeah. Then talk about this transition, not transition, including technology and data, but now this passion for sustainability. So the passion for sustainability has been throughout my life as well. I was raised by parents who were affected by the depression. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't a lot of waste. There were a lot of leftovers and there were a lot of hand-me-downs. And when I became a parent, I instilled the same into my kids and my household. And I'm proud to say now with my children as adults, they give me sustainable gifts. And I love that. Couple that with my interest in technology and 20 plus years career in technology. When I came on board full-time at Orion, the owner, Yakov Rosharinsky, 
was very much into sustainability and talking about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I jumped on board and I said, you know what? I hear you. I'm happy to do something. So we spun up a quick website. It was really just a resource. And unbeknownst to us, several months later, Salesforce came out with Sustainability Cloud. So we jumped on the bandwagon. We were at Orion one of the first Salesforce partners for Sustainability Cloud and customer for Sustainability Cloud. We hired the director of innovation because I'm not a Salesforce implementer to really learn the product and implement. And in the meantime, I started learning more and more about ESG, took some online courses. And when Salesforce actually put sustainability as part of their core values and moved sustainability cloud from the way they had originally designed it, which was sort of over here or on the side because they needed something for their own organization to being a true part of the Salesforce core cloud platform. They mm-hmm. renamed it to Net Zero Cloud. And that's when things really started to change. And I got much more involved in the sale of the product and started running the whole Net Zero Cloud program at Orion alongside Mm. the director of innovation who really designs the way it's going to be implemented. Mm. So it was a a really great opportunity to marry my love of career. So now you're focused on creating business and digital transformation experiences. Break that down a little bit. I want to know what that really means. Sure thing. So we work with a lot of organizations that have legacy systems. And what we find with legacy systems is many cases, they've dictated the process. This is the way the system works. This is the way we have to do business. So during a transformation, we're able to speak with the customer as far as what their processes are, where the roadblocks are, and where the bottlenecks are, and wouldn't it be easier if, and they fill in the blank. So we understand the process they would prefer. And then we're able to discuss with them the technologies that would support that and develop a roadmap. And it's not always Salesforce. When it is Salesforce, of course, we're there to implement When it's not Salesforce, we do continue to work with the client to help them select the technology that's the best fit. So we're able to transform the way their business runs. It's more efficient, people are more productive, and they're not beholden to an old system or old processes that just don't work for them anymore. Right. And that's huge because... Most of the legacy systems, that's one of the complaints is that they're so burdensome and and they aren't easy to use that you don't have the adoption. That you, if you make it easy, and that's a huge improvement over legacy systems, I know. So that gives you the opportunity to incorporate ESG into their evolving and new processes, correct? I would love for that to be the case. (laughs) (laughs) Reality is... I'm reading too much into it. Okay. It's not always the case. I think at this point, ESG is still not always part of the 
C-suite conversation. So we always speak with our clients about the fact that we do have these services. And depending on where they are on that transformation journey, sometimes they're just not ready for that. If we're really making some big changes, there's change management that goes with that as well. And it's important that we stand up their system so that they're conducting business and then include that conversation. But I totally agree that sustainability should be part of every conversation. A lot of the implementations we do for our net zero cloud, we are introduced to these organizations because they're interested in net zero cloud already. So in some cases, they may have been working with someone else for the rest of their Salesforce implementation, and we are the partner they're going to work with to get the ESG sustainability functionality of the product working because net zero cloud is carbon accounting as well as new features that engage with the social and the governance part of ESG. And although on the surface, it behaves the way Salesforce inherently behaves because it's accounting it works a little differently under right. the hood. And that's where we're able to work with other partners that may not have that expertise. So it's a little bit of both. We get to talk a lot about ESG to those organizations who are ready to move forward. And we take baby steps with those organizations who may not be ready to move forward yet. And when you talk to those organizations that are ready to sort of move forward, One of the questions that I ask people when we work with organizations, I'm always curious about their mindset. Are they coming from a risk mitigation point of view and or do they really see this as a value creation opportunity? So a lot of times when we initiate these conversations, we're talking with the sustainability team, whether it's one person or a handful. It's never a lot of people, right? It's usually a small team. Yeah. So they're very much invested themselves into sustainability. What's generating the organization to move in this direction can be a multitude of things. We've heard the organization wants to be a leader in their industry and sustainability, so they're jumping on really early. We've heard that customers are asking for information, right? Because part of being able to report on sustainability is being part of a supply chain. I have to report on my supply chain, but in other aspects, I may be part of someone else's supply chain. And so when customers are asking for that information, we're hearing, oh, we have to, it takes us weeks. We have to go through spreadsheets and figure out exactly for that customer. Wouldn't it be great for us to have a system we could easily get that information. So it's driven by customer demand. And others are looking ahead for the fact that regulations are coming, whether they're here today, whether they're coming next month or two, whether they're everything or just little pieces. Eventually, there's going to be a requirement for them to report, and they want to get ahead of that. And we find that to be a great conversation because certainly one of the biggest hurdles for any organization to start accurately reporting about sustainability is gathering their data. Right. And it's interesting how 
that actually can drive integration into more than the sustainability people over here. I wanted to ask you how you feel or what you see as far as training to a lot of those other departments on sustainability and how important it is for them to really understand the commitment and why they should be from the innovation of product R&D to the financial information that's coming out reporting how important the non-financial information has become. And then the third-party auditing and how that relates to making that digital transition even more important. Great questions. So the first one is the conversation throughout the organization. I feel that that's exceptionally important, especially for organizations that are taking this step into being able to calculate their carbon emissions and report on it and start to report on all the social and governments, the DEI, the diversity, equality, inclusion, All of that is important for an organization, and I think it's really important for everyone throughout the organization to realize the impact not only that it has on them, but that they can have on the organization. What we're really talking about here is not so much saving the planet as it is saving humanity, right? The planet will survive even if the rest of us don't right? The planet will still be here. So we want to make sure it continues to be inhabitable for human beings. And that's the conversation I think that needs to be had because it enables everyone to have that connection. Am I going to be able to live the life I'm living now in the next few years? And what can I do about it? And what's my organization doing about it? What's my community doing about it? So there's a bigger conversation here. But if everyone understood, and I think this is a challenge and not necessarily being done right now, but if everyone understood the role they played and how they could not only make their own small changes, but enable organizations to start thinking more sustainably, then you would have product development conversations that talked about where we our materials, how sustainable are they, what's the end goal of our product, what's that full cycle of the product, how responsible are we for when we put it out there into the world doing all the way through what's it going to cost? Can I reduce costs using a more sustainable product in my product? How else can I reduce costs that can also increase the bottom line simply by considering sustainability? I always think about how it really can be something that brings all sorts of people together rather than the competitiveness in an organization, because especially with the circular economy, you want to consider how your product after its life cycle can go into another product, which another business can benefit from to another product that a business can benefit from. So 
I see that upcycle of products being a different mindset in business. Do you agree? Yes. Your other question was about reporting and auditing. And there's a lot of conversation around that, right? There's a lot of buzzwords going around, greenwashing and various other green variants. I think I saw six green words the other day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And recently, information about auditing and how transparent it's actually being. So I think it's important that we do have some sort of measurement. But honestly, I'm feeling that there's almost too much focus on that. Organizations are too focused on being able to put a number out there or show they've made a difference instead of actually focusing on just making the difference and let the reporting sort of stand on its own. Winning an award for emissions reduction just is difficult for me to reconcile. That's not what this is about. It's Yeah, it's the commercialization of yeah. it. Which is a bit of greenwashing. It is. And the concept, I think, is it's important for organizations to make these moves. It's important for them to reduce their emissions. And it's important for them to be transparent. But it's really just more important to be doing the right thing. And so I'm going to segue. And I saw that part of your focus is on culture, business culture. Part of our work is really around, we believe that business ethics and core values can be real strong drivers of culture, and they can be drivers and should be drivers of sustainability. Why are you doing this? And how does it matter? What do you see in your work? Are these drivers with some of the clients that you work with? Well, they're certainly drivers at Orion. We were founded as a purpose-driven organization. And our core values are part of almost every presentation we do, whether it's sales or client-facing. And they are respect, integrity, creativity, community, and results-driven. So although we don't have sustainability as a core value, they all really around. around. It's an integrity. It's about the behaviors and actions from those values that count. And that's where you can make the connection to sustainability. Doing the right thing. Yeah. And organizations who instill core values and who truly live up to them, I think to your point, would encompass sustainability. So not that I'm opposed to reporting, because if you can't measure it, you can't take action. There is tremendous value in having a tool like Salesforce Net Zero Cloud that would allow you to measure what your emissions are and to understand the actions you can take to reduce them. And it would also enable to do the transparent reporting and let people know that you're working in that direction. I think the problem comes in when people start making expectations. We're going to be net zero by this year. 2040, when we're going to be net zero, but there's not a plan to do it. There's not a baseline where they are today. Yeah. And I'd rather hear people saying, we're going to work toward 
a 10% reduction of our emissions year over year. And here are the ways in which we're going to do that. Right, right. We often hear people who just say, we're going to be net zero by 2050. And then you don't really see the actions and the progress of actions to get there. And that in itself is greenwashing. I'm also at a point where you hear people make commitments and then they're actually dialing back what they commit to them. I mean, they dial the budgets back in times where things are a little bit tighter. And it's like, how do you hold these people accountable? In a way, the data holds them accountable of a system like yours because you aren't going to see the same numbers. You're going to see the numbers going in the, in the wrong direction because accountability, they're going to bury going backwards. I think about it a lot now when I see every company coming out and saying, we're going to be net zero by 2050. And I never really thought about how data would be one way to hold them accountable. Yeah, absolutely. Accountability is an interesting topic with sustainability. You certainly don't want people putting out messages and then behaving in a way that is not in alignment with the message. But we have seen that certainly the numbers around the years of COVID skewed the data. So if you had a baseline of your emissions in 2019, in 2020, there's a good chance your emissions went down. But your social went up. Right. And what you were doing for employees and well-being and things like that. So now everyone's sort of getting back, at least to some degree, and your emissions are going to go up because everyone's back in the office. And now you've got however you're tracking your commuters, your electric bill, your supplies that you need, the production. And so I want to hold you accountable because you said they were going to go down, but they went up. So I think accountability needs to have a realism to them. Mm-hmm. These, these organizations are doing the right thing. So quick example, at Orion, we are a very small organization. As you mentioned, we're a boutique firm. We have a small office in Manhattan. We don't have water bottles. We have glasses and we have glass bottles. And when you empty one, you refill it, and you put it back in the refrigerator. So we're making those kinds of changes, which do have an impact. And I think it has an impact on the people who come in, both as guests and employees. And you start thinking, why do I have plastic bottles? If look, I don't need to have plastic, I can do it this way. But our electric bill went up because now we've got more than just a few people coming to the office. We've got more people coming to the office. So organizations that are making their best efforts and want to be accountable Sometimes the data doesn't show that they mm. are. That's why I think people need to be careful when greenwashing and and putting out these kinds of comments about when they're going to do what and people trying to hold them so close to, well, you said this and you're not doing it. You need to take the whole picture into consideration. Right. So that I'm going to segue into 
we talk to a lot of small mid-sized companies that are just starting their sustainability and ESG journey. What advice do you give these type of companies? Because sometimes it's really overwhelming for them. What are the, and I believe in the power of three, so I'll, I'll frame this question for my <laughs> bias. What are the three things, three pieces of advice that you would give them? Thank you for that. Overwhelming is an understatement. There are so many different paths you can go. And there's so much conversation around what it takes to be sustainable. So the advice I would give to a small organization would be to start with your baseline in some way. Look at your electric bill. Look at how often you're ordering supplies. Try to understand if you can't afford a product like Net Zero Cloud, which is really built for a larger organization. There are some organizations online that can give you the ability to do your calculations. But even without going down that path, just understand what you're consuming as an organization and where you can make changes. And then take a look at the financial aspect of that. And you'll more than likely see some cost savings by making really small adjustments that make a difference to the planet and everyone who's on it. So understand what you're doing now, whether a baseline or look at your utility bills, look at some of your other bills. What are you buying? Why are you buying it? How much inventory do you really need? How much is it plastic? How much water? Where's your waste? Get sort of a picture of your business and how you're conducting it. And then take a look at where your modifications can be. Mm-hmm. And over time, you'll start to see those changes in your financial. Interesting. I think for small business, that's really the, the yeah. best go. Look at the plastics. Do I have to buy this? For example, personally, I buy from Grove. I don't know if you're familiar with Grove. No. Grove is an organization that's really about sustainability. And so their products, I buy all my paper goods are made from bamboo. Mm -hmm. Nothing comes wrapped in plastic when it gets delivered. They won't deliver less than a $40 order because something too small is not worth the emissions. So I have this instilled in my home and working on instilling that in my organization, right? So those little changes, the tissue box is made of very thin cardboard. It doesn't have that waxy, there's nothing fancy about it. We're back to the brown paper bag. When I was a kid, my we used to cover my school books in brown paper bags. That's true. <laughs> right? I remember that. <laughs> and now I'm back to about getting brown paper bags at the supermarket instead of the plastic bags. In fact, yep. I bring my own bags to the supermarket yep, now. Right. And so it's it's those thoughts when I go, if I'm a small business and I'm starting to make those kind of decisions, where am I resourcing my the things I need to buy? Where am I getting them from? And to your point earlier, Rocket, even if I'm not creating the product for the circular economy, what am I doing with the products I'm using? Am I making sure they get recycled? Or where can I reduce my waste? Right. There are a few stores where, uh, curiously, started to frequent them, where, like with shampoo and soap and things, you bring your own container and you do it 
from theirs. Much bigger volume that they have and everybody brings their own container and then they do it by weight. I think the first time I stepped into one of those stores, I went so simple, but brilliant. (laughs) So things like that. Two more questions for you. This one is kind of, uh, it's a magic wand question. But in your world, if you had a magic wand, what's the most important issue that you would change today? Where do you see the whole industry going? Oh, that's the second question. (laughs) If I had a magic wand. Yeah. What's the most important issue that you would change? I think awareness. I think the people who get it, get it. The people who don't get it, I don't think they have enough awareness. And I think there are people who want to get it and are overwhelmed, right? We said there's a lot out there. And so if you don't know where to start, you just don't. So I think awareness is what I would change, that it doesn't have to be as big as it sounds. You can start small and move from there because there are lots of different ways in in which you can become more sustainable. That doesn't mean you have to do it all at once. So I think people understood what sustainability really means and what it means, not just the definition, but what it means in the long term, how they could take steps to improve that. I think it's better awareness. I think that's interesting how it actually, something so simple can add to the integration of sustainability into the entire organization because you get more ideas from your employees to be a part of it. I've never really thought of it that way, but starting small can be big. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. But also change management. I mean, it's hard to not have the principles of change management really be a part of sustainability, which a lot of people don't think of it that way. I totally agree. We're talking about change. We're talking about whatever your opinion of Al Gore is the inconvenient truth. All I can say is it was the perfect title. It is an inconvenient truth. The life we live today, in order to make it more sustainable, we have to become inconvenienced. We have to start doing things a little differently and then maybe a lot different. But it's not as convenient as we've made the world. And the development of that world is causing the issues with the world that we see today. Mm -hmm. So we do have to be a little inconvenienced to make a difference. Yeah. And what do you see that's most effective? Like often when we work with a company, we're able to interface with top leadership. And we see a big difference between when a leader's really passionate about something and feels it and what they do in an organization besides a leader who would prefer that it was status quo and that he could just worry short term about his legacy and making a difference in their stock. Everything starts at the top. I mean, whether it's sustainability or anything else, years and years ago, 
I was implementing when I was more hands-on. I was implementing a CRM. And change management is part of every process. And you're going to get some level of resistance. And someone simply asked me, well, is the CEO using it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Luckily, yes, the CEO was using it. It was a rather small organization and he was on board. So there is that mentality. What's the CEO doing? What is our leadership doing? And the performance being tied to compensation. Yeah, that's another way that organizations are... I would say enforce sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it may be, unfortunately, the way that gets us to where we need to be because it's true, money makes the world go round. <laughs> yeah, so true. And so if you have that tie-in to money, there's definitely a bigger conversation, a more engaged conversation. But hopefully you have the leadership engaged in sustainability, not exclusively as a tie-in to the finances, but in an effort to truly keep us on a healthy planet. Yeah. So when you look back five years, man, have, has, have we come a long ways and there's so much conversation, there's so much being done out there today. Let's take that out another five years. What do you see in the next five years? What are you going to be doing? What are you going to be advising in five years? That's a really interesting question. I think that in the last five years, certainly the conversation has gotten louder. My library of books around ESG has gotten larger. (laughs) Everyone's writing about it. I'm encouraged by the increase in awareness, certainly, and the efforts for decarbonization and more green or blue energy, as they're saying, right? In the next five years, technology is going to evolve quickly. Technology is just, it's snowballing since Mm -hmm. it first started. The way in which technology evolves just keeps getting more and more incremental. So in five years, it could be that I'm advising on how to upgrade your products that are managing everything about your business so that they're giving you advice before you either spend money or buy something or AI, I think is going to be a big help in some ways for us to become sustainable. It'll be able to do more of the thinking for us and more of the predictions. If you continue down this path, this is what's going to happen. And here are our suggestions on other paths where you can go. So I see the next five years as Technology growing in many different directions. And what I really hope is we're not going to rely on it to do the work for us. And what I mean is we do need to reduce the emissions. We can't just stay status quo and expect the technology, the decarbonization and everything else that's being designed to do the work for us. 
so that we don't have to make any of those inconvenient choices. Right. Yeah. And to go along with that, I just think there's a whole young group that is aware today. Going to uh, energize. And, and the new young leaders and people of this planet know what perils may happen if we don't keep thinking, doing, acting to make it better. And so along with things like technology evolving and new thinking and processes happening, we may have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get those people into the positions where they get a louder voice and greater authority. Yeah. Right. I often say to Gary, I can't wait until the millennials are running Washington. (laughs) It's like, uh, and you know what? It wasn't that long ago that people were complaining about that generation and saying, oh, they don't want to put the work in. Oh, they don't have the loyalty to a company. And yet I do totally agree with you that they have much more awareness. And once they get to those positions of leadership within a company, things will happen faster. My take on millennials is that they were raised in a world in which other generations were not. And so the way in which older generations viewed the behavior of the millennials were not connected and couldn't be reconciled to the world that is because they were continuing to live in the world that was. Well said. That's been, on that, I'm going to say thank you very much for your time, Ella. This has been a great conversation. And it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for yeah. inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. That would be great. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Sustainable Minds wherever you get your podcasts. And please do live a review if you like what we're doing. It helps others discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. If you want to find out more about how we can help you evolve your corporate brand, culture, and ESG, head to bakerbrand.com. See you on the next episode of Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG.